Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Coming Into Your Calling by Pastor Sean Wood. As we come around your word, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear and to understand. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You're making your way to the book of Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel's in the Old Testament. He's one of the major prophets, only because of the size of his prophecies. I, I recall when I was playing AFL football, we had two terms that we could describe another player. One term we used was a tin man. The other one was lion-hearted. And what we were saying was, if you were a tin man, we said that outwardly you looked like you had all the goods, but you didn't have the heart. You didn't have any heart at all. And those those guys that were tin men, you know, they they would turn up on game day and they would wear all the clothes and they would print their hair and if they broke a nail, they'd have to come off and have a rest on the bench and uh, all those sorts of things. But what we would say was, you know, he's got some great skills, but he's got no heart. Uh, but if you were lion-hearted, uh, we would be describing somebody who abandoned their self-worth in pursuit of the ball. These guys would throw themselves at the ball. They would be belted, battered and bruised. They, they killed anything that got between them and the football. They were lion-hearted. And uh, uh, this morning, I want to ask you a question. If God was the football, which one best describes you this morning? Do you want the football? Are you ready to throw and abandon your life in pursuit of Christ? If Christianity was a spectator sport, it would not be an individual sport. If Christianity, sorry, was a sport, it wouldn't be a spectator sport and it wouldn't be an individual sport. Christianity is a team sport and that means that everybody has a part to play. We are all, uh, we have all been universally called to salvation. We all are called to take the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ to the world and to reach others. But we also have an individual call. God has a calling and a purpose for every single person sitting in this room. I don't care what age your birth certificate says. We know, you, <laughs> we know we never feel as old as our birth certificates, right? Uh, they lie. Our birth, everybody's, I, I found two immutable things that lie, scales and birth certificates. <laughs> it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what gender you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, Jeremiah, we're going to touch on him briefly today, Jeremiah started prophesying to the king when he was 12 years of age. I don't care how young you are this morning, and we all know the story of Moses called at 80 to go back and release Israel and be God's hand in Israel in Egypt. So uh, everybody here has a calling and a purpose. Everybody here has something that God has shaped and formed and fashioned you for. And uh, my hope and my prayer is that everybody would step into their calling. Uh, there can be some misconceptions that I want to clear up before we go any further. Misconception number one is sometimes we think it's the pastor's and the leader's job to tell you what your calling and gifting is and then to release you into that. That Our job is not to tell you what your calling is. In fact, that's where a lot of mistakes happen. When we look at outward appearances, remember when Samuel went to anoint a king 
And he looked at all the brothers and thought, mate, this guy's got to be the one. But it was a little ruddy shepherd boy out in the paddocks. We have to be careful about outward appearances. The other thing is, uh, the best way to answer, uh, if you can answer this question, you will answer what your calling is. What is it that I was put on the planet to do? What is it that when I step into this, it's natural for me, it's easy for me, and I, I love doing it? Uh, what is the one thing that when you do it, you're surprised somebody would pay you to do it? It consumes you, you love it. That would be your calling. And the, the second piece of advice I would give for those that perhaps are trying to find their calling is get into the game. Just get on the football field. Uh, we found with football that people would turn up and say, hey, I wouldn't mind playing for you guys. And from outward appearances, we've got no idea what this guy can do. So we just chuck them on the field. And then once they're on, we start moving people around. Same with God. Once you get on the field and say, you know what? Uh, there's a gap in the youth. I'll just start serving in the youth. There's a gap in the kitchen, whatever it is. And then God starts moving you around. That would be the advice that I would give you today. There's many people here, we run the danger and the threat of occupying church pews all of our lives thinking God has called us to come to church every Sunday. In fact, the purpose of us assembling together and sharing our gifts together is to equip you more fully into your calling. I want to talk today about a really radical dude by the name of Ezekiel. If you haven't read the book of Ezekiel, do yourself a favour. Listen, the first three pages sound like somebody survived Nimbin in the 70s. Like, <laughs> what this... Anybody from Nimbin apart from Barb? Where's Barb? Sorry, Barb. <laughs> that, that one was for you, Don. <laughs> uh, Neil only visited. <laughs> yes, uh, Neil only claims to visit, but, but, but obviously there was an effect, Neil. <laughs> uh, 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 but if you read his prophecies, and we're actually not going to go through his prophecies, but if you read the visions that he saw in the first two chapters, it'll blow your mind. Absolutely blow your mind. The presence, the glory of God comes from the temple to Babylon, and he sees visions. of the, And what he sees, uh, interestingly enough, another strange little dude sees very, very similar and describes it much the same way in the book of Revelation. Ezekiel, by the time we meet him in chapter 1, some important things we need to know. Ezekiel is 30 years of age. I'll go through the dates in a moment, and I'll go through why 30 is important in a moment. Ezekiel is 30 years of age, and Ezekiel finds himself in exile. And, of course, Israel was taken into exile, and they would say later on, the people of God would say later on, this was, this was the greatest and most profound time for us because we learnt to worship God no matter where we were. We learnt to hold on to our faith in a strange land. We didn't have a temple. We didn't have any priests, which is going to be important in a moment. We didn't have any temple. We didn't have any priests, but we learnt to worship God, which highlights the truth that A.W. Tozer points out, that God does his deepest work in our lives in our darkest hours. We don't get any amens on those ones often. I need to get a renter crowd that I can just press a button. And, uh... Yeah, I could just, just to get a recording, yeah. 
God does his deepest work in our darkest hours. And we're going to be introduced to Ezekiel the priest come prophet. And what we see in the first couple of chapters about his calling, I think, is enormously important for us as we look to come into our calling. Let's start in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. In the 13th year, in the fourth month, and on the fifth day of the month. Why is that important? Because it's Ezekiel's birthday. Uh, On the fifth day of the month, I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal. Why is that even important? Uh, Ever heard that song by the rivers of Babylon? Before Barb gets up and starts dancing. Uh, (laughs) Barb, you're on my radar this morning, darling. Former KGB agent. (laughs) She she, she knows what that's all about, don't you, Barb? we, we all know the song from Boney M by the rivers of Babylon, right? But that's an exile song. If I can be serious for a moment, that's an exile song. And it's, what it's actually saying, what they decided they would do, they had no temple, they had nothing. What they decided they would do was, you know what? If you want to follow God, even in Babylon, if you want to hold on to your faith and you find the nearest piece of water and you will find us sitting by the rivers of Babylon. Yeah, I didn't bring my skirt and I'm not going to start what waving. I did promise you one day, Liz, but it's not today. I'm a bit bit wobbly in my stilettos, but I could give it a go. And where we find, the first place we find Ezekiel is by the Chabar Canal. It's his 30th birthday. He should be currently getting ordained into the priesthood, officially today. We're going to find out that Ezekiel was a priest and you spent your whole life uh, you may be born into the line of priests, but certain ones had the finger placed on them and said, you are selected to come into the priesthood. You would spend all of your life till you were 30 learning how to be a priest, learning the trade, learning everything. And Ezekiel would have been stepping into that. But where does he find himself? He finds himself in Babylon. But he makes a decision. I might be in Babylon And I might be out here and I may even be on my own, but I'm going to worship God right here. Coming into your calling, number one, for those that are taking notes this morning, is a big word called availability. God will not use chess pieces that are not sitting on the board. If you want to be used of God, it's called making yourself available. How do we make ourselves available? We make a decision. There are people in this room this morning that have to make a decision and make a choice. John Maxwell says, uh, one day or day one, you choose. As you're sitting here this morning wondering, where's God going to take me? I've always thought God would take me there. You can continue to say one day for the rest of your life, or you can choose to say day one. Day one, I'm going to get on the chessboard and I've made a decision that I'm going to bloom where God's planted me. You want to know where God wants you? Because so many people sit around going, well, I'm not quite sure where God wants me. It's probably right where you are now. God's waiting for you to make a decision. Here I am. Remember those words of Isaiah? Isaiah, Jeremiah and the Apostle Paul all use the same words. I was set apart before the foundation of the world. Before God created everything, God set me apart to be a round peg in a round hole. And there's people in this room this morning 
that need to get off the bench. If Christianity was AFL, God doesn't have a bench. And when you get out on the field, guess what? You're going to miss some handballs. You're going to slur some kicks. You're probably going to knock out a couple of your own players along the way. But get in the game and make yourself available. Sounds like Tuesdays in the office, Liz. (laughs) A couple of hip and shoulders as they're coming through. Uh, I remember the testimony of a pastor who had gone through some uh, very, very challenging times. This pastor's actually in Queensland, and he's retired now, but I remember his testimony struck me. Uh, He preached for over an hour, and all I got was this three minutes, because I thought that's fantastic. And what he said was he had gone to America, and he was tossing up, do I come back and keep pastoring, or do I go on? and do something else. What do you want us to do, Lord? You've called us to this, or what's the go? So they go away, they're praying. Him and his wife pray for over two weeks, every day. He said, on the last day before we get on the plane, he instinctively knew that God had told him, if you keep pastoring, I will bless you. If you do not keep pastoring, I will bless you. But make a decision. I want to encourage some people here today. Today could be day one for you. Day one of your journey of making yourself available for God. More about that as we move on. Let's keep reading through Ezekiel. On the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal, the heavens were opened. Now there's a sentence for you. The The heavens were opened. We need that today. Oh, that he would open the heavens today. And I saw visions of God. What a profound verse. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. Long story that I'm not going to go into this morning. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi. What's wrong with Sam and John, right? (laughs) Good morning, Buzi. No, it doesn't work, does it? (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Buzi. No, it doesn't work either. In the land of the Chaldeans by the Jabbar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. What we actually see is uh, everything would appear to be on the outside looking in. You would look at Ezekiel and go, your whole life has been a waste. You've spent your whole life training to be a priest. You thought it was God's will for your life to be a priest. And here you are in Babylon. You're never going back to Jerusalem. You're never going to enter the priesthood. You've wasted 30 years of your life. Anybody feeling like that this morning? I reckon there would be some. I felt like that myself at one point in time. I've, I've squandered everything, God. I've wandered around for too long. You called me back here and I've been wandering around. I've wasted too much Time, But what we actually see was, none of it was a waste, it was all preparation. Coming into your calling number two, submit to the preparation. Let me give you a couple of examples. Everybody knows about King David, right? Everybody knows that uh, Samuel the prophet goes and anoints David to be king over Israel. We also know that King Saul was currently the king. But sometimes we forget that from the time he was anointed and anointing in the Old Testament was a setting apart for, set him apart to be a king. 
What we fail to realise is from the time he was anointed to the time he sits on the throne was 15 years. 15 very hard years. In that time, in that 15 years, we know that this ruddy little shepherd boy begins to learn a few life lessons. Uh, he, we, we see a little bit of his heart in David and Goliath. And I know many people take that passage to mean it's all about slaying the giants in your life. And that's okay. But the actual context there, the actual truth of that is a little Hebrew boy that had a heart for God and stood up and said, nobody is going to profane the name of my God. He stood up for the glory of God. But that little shepherd boy had a few more lessons to learn. He was pursued. He had no friends apart from Jonathan. And we need some Jonathans in our lives. He had no friends apart from Jonathan. And he is pursued by Saul. Saul tries to kill him, almost succeeds. He spends years running from Saul. Has the chance to knock him off and doesn't take it. And after all of that, steps in to be the king of Israel at the age of 30. And even when he does begin to become king of Judah, the rest of Israel doesn't recognise him. And he finally sits as king over Israel. But by the time he has, he spent 15 years learning one really important truth. I need God. He learned to rely on God. He, he learned that everything that he was doing when he was out being a ruddy little shepherd boy taught him what it was to shepherd people. He was the shepherd king, the man after God's own heart. What about Elisha? We all, we all know about Elisha, don't we? All the, you should know about Elisha, Robert. You should, of course you should. And we all know that Elisha succeeds Elijah the prophet. Elijah is told, go and anoint Elisha as prophet. What we don't know is Elisha carries the anointing flask for 10 years. And that's all he does. Doesn't do anything. And then asks, if you're going, Elijah, I wouldn't mind double of what you've got. And he gets it. I want to tell you today that uh, the the fact of the matter is you cannot fast track God's preparation and you cannot go around God's preparation and God's preparation doesn't work according to the tick of the clock at the back of this room. God doesn't have two years from now. God works in measurements of hearts. Let's keep reading on. Let's miss all of the Nimbin stuff for a moment. Pick it up at the end of chapter 1. He says, Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face. That's actually pretty common. I I hear people sometimes say, Oh, you know, I just saw the glory and I was in the presence of the Lord and we went down and got a carton of milk together at the local milk bar. But when people actually encountered the presence of God, they were bang on the floor. He says, such was the appearance and the likeness of the glory of the Lord that when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. Verse 2, I love chapter 2. I love the first part of chapter 2. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me. I love that verse. If there's ever a reason for us to come around the word of God, it's that verse. But notice here that in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, son of man, stand on your feet. Now, that's a reference The reference son of man there is not the glorious reference we apply to Christ. It is a reference to the frailty and the humanity that we find in Ezekiel and if you you will find in each and every one of our own hearts. 
The fact of the matter is that none of us can stand before God on our own. None of us in our own ability, none of us in our own righteousness are able to stand before God at all. God has to enable us to stand. He has done that in the person of Jesus Christ. Coming into your calling number three, this one's a big one and David learned this one. There has to be a power shift in your life. Your vocabulary has to change from I've got this Lord to I ain't got this Lord unless you come through. And if you haven't made that transition yet, God will bring you there. I make you that guarantee. Took the Israelites 40 years in the wilderness, just as an FYI, to learn this one. And sometimes we wander around and around and around the mountain. Because God wants to teach us there's got to be a power shift in your life. Just to give you a couple of other examples, remember the Apostle Paul? This guy had a resume, man. Uh, He he would, in Philippians chapter 2, he lists off his resume. I, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, born by the tribe of Benjamin. Everything was in line. He was one of the most educated. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel the most respected rabbi of the day. He says, according to the law, he was a scholar. He says, according to righteousness of the law, I was blameless. But then he goes on and says, I count that all as loss. Why? Because there's been an enormous power shift in my life and I realised I'm nothing when I stand before him if I don't have Jesus. He says, I count that all as loss for the supremacy, the surpassing supremacy of knowing And he would spend the rest of his life chasing that football and often knock people out of the way to get there. What about Moses? Uh, Most of us know about Moses. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What he did was he forsook uh, everything to do with Pharaoh and all the luxuries and says, I'm going to set that aside and be named with the people of God. There are people in this room that need to make a power shift in their lives where God takes us to the point of complete reliance upon him. Let's keep reading on. Chapter, verse 2, chapter 2. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me, verse 3, and he said to me, Son of man, I send you. This one's going to be a really big one. There may be those that are in some form of ministry this morning that need to hear this, but if you are going to enter into a calling and an anointing for God, you definitely need to hear this this morning. First part of that verse is very important. There is a difference between going and being sent, an enormous difference between deciding yourself to step into an area and God sending you. That's a digression. But as you work your way through Ezekiel's call, listen to how God calls Ezekiel and then tells him what's going to happen. Have a listen to some of this. God sent Ezekiel to a people that are a nation of rebels, sent among briars and thorns, says God. You will sit upon scorpions, he says. They will not be willing to listen. They have a hard forehead and they have stubborn hearts. God says, I'm sending you with a message to proclaim my truth to Israel, but they're not going to listen to you. They're going to persecute you. You're not going to have any friends. 
And even when your wife dies in chapter 24, I'm going to command you not to mourn her as a lesson for Israel. Who's putting their hand up for that job? Coming into your calling number four, this one's really important. We must seek faithfulness over fruitfulness. Often we get that the wrong way around. Often what we do say to God is, you know what? When all the fruit comes and everything's going really well, then I'll stick this out and I'll stay here. I have a question for you this morning. If God has sent you, that should be all that matters. The fruit comes after faithfulness. There are people in this room that might have been called to missionary work. Sir, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Everybody knows that. Uh, what we may not know about Dr. Livingston was he spent his life, he dedicated his life to missionary work in Africa. Does anybody know how many converts he managed to obtain while he was in Africa? One. However, it's one of the largest Christian nations on the planet right now for one reason, all of the inroads that Sir Livingston had made. He was faithful to the call of God. Same with Hudson Taylor in China. Currently, right now, the most prolific revival of history is happening right now in China. Because of the major inroads that Hudson Taylor made into inland China. And you can read Hudson Taylor's story. And uh, now places like uh, Vanuatu used to be called New Hebrides. Uh, If you ever want to challenge, read about a missionary called John Patton. John G. Patton was sent to New Hebrides when he was told the islands are full of cannibals and they're going to eat you when you get there. (laughs) Good reason for that because they'd eaten everybody else that had come before. He says, God's called me to New Hebrides. Go to Vanuatu now. All of those islands, are nearly all of them are Christians. And his convert was the chief. He a very smart man. He knew that if I could convert the chief, everybody else would just follow along. Often we want the fruitfulness before we decide we're going to commit to faithfulness. God honours faithfulness. Our responsibility is faithfulness. God's responsibility is fruitfulness. Hebrews chapter 3 says that Moses was faithful in the house of God. He wandered with Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, grumbling, complaining, up one day, down the next, goes up the mountain to have a bit of a prayer time and a devotional, comes back down, these guys are dancing around a calf. But he was faithful in the house of God. The whole generation passed away in the wilderness apart from Caleb and his friend Joshua. God's responsibility is the fruitfulness. Faithfulness means to be dependable despite your circumstances. Faithful is not momentary but constant. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro through the earth, giving strong support to those who are fully committed to him or those who are faithful. Hebrews chapter 10 would describe faithfulness as a not shrinking back. 
but those that draw closer to God. The last one I want to encourage you with this morning, uh, I'm going to ask Karen if she can prepare to come back and tinkle on the keyboard. Nowhere else, please. I'm feeling unwell. (laughs) After another vision of the glory of God, I want to make this real simple for those that are saying, you know what, I want God to use me, I want God to take me forward, and I can remember my own personal story correlating with this. After the vision of God, I love this term here, it says, uh, verse 15 of chapter 3, and I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv, or Tel Aviv actually, today, who were dwelling by the Chabar Canal. He goes, when you read through Ezekiel, he's, he's in exile one minute. It's, it's talk about Nimbin. He's, he's in exile one minute. The next minute, he's in Israel prophesying to the people of God. It's, it's amazing stuff. And he, he comes back and he says, I sat where they were dwelling and I sat there overwhelmed among them for seven days. This is not milk bar going to get a loaf of bread and a cup of milk or anything from the local shop. This is God has so whacked me, I can't move for seven days. Uh, I love the testimony of a, a young pastor who was in C.H. Spurgeon's School of Pastors. And as he was graduating, he comes to Charles Spurgeon and says, what's the one piece of advice you have for me as I enter into the ministry? He's expecting something grand about how you structure your church service and what kind of doctrine you should preach. And Charles Spurgeon says, you know what? You go and set yourself on fire and the world will come to watch you burn. Uh, there was a time in my life, I've been, I've been hurt in church. I've been in ministry and walked away after a bad incident in church. And I, I walked away and I said, you know what? I'm never doing that again. And after a period of time, I went back to church. And when I went to church, I said, God, I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to sit up the back. And we had twins, so I went out to the creche and talked to the mums every Sunday. Coffee was great. I did that for five years. And I said to God in the end, I said, you know what? I've done my dash, obviously. You'd never use me again. But I just decided that the one thing that I loved was his word and I was just going to pour myself into his word. I began to engage in study. I made myself available. After a while, we're running a home group and if there was one hard thing about leaving Tasmania, it was leaving the home group. It took us three weeks of tears to say goodbye to them all. And after a while, God manages just to move you and to steer you. And if I was to answer that one question this morning, what was I put on the planet to do? I love communicating God's word. Never for a moment did I think that he would frame that within pastoring. I was never in my eyes qualified to be a pastor and I'm still not. God will equip those he calls I have found something with God. He never calls the equipped. He, he equips those that, are, that he calls.
I hope today is day one for every person in this room this morning. You weren't created, you weren't fashioned in the womb to sit up the back of a church and watch some freaky dude talk about times in Nimbin. <laughs> well, to hold Barb's hand as she tells us about those days. Every person in this room was created for more. And if I can leave you with one passage of scripture, this passage of scripture keeps me going every Tuesday. Hebrews 11, chapter chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Of Rob Caffrey or... Mike Waldick or or maybe it's Josh Budden who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, survived Tuesday staff meetings. <laughs> Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Listen to these guys. The writer of the Hebrews is right, of whom the world was not worthy. These guys sold their lives out to chase the football. They said, we're going to chase God no matter what it looks like, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains in dens and caves and even Brisbane. And all those were commended through their faith, even though they did not receive what was promised. Friends, if God calls you today, if God's got his finger on your life, and he has, there are people in this room that have been called to pray. Some people have been saying, I've been praying for the pastor for years, and he still doesn't see things my way. people in this room that God put on the planet to encourage others there's people that God put on the planet to run home groups and there's evangelists in this room and there's pastors in this room and there's those that God has gifted prophetically and in worship I'm gifted in worship I've got a beautiful voice it's just got a rough passage out If you need prayer this morning, then uh, we open the front for you this morning. We'd love to pray with you. If God has placed his finger on you today, then we'd love to pray with you. But can we finish? Can we stand as we finish in prayer this morning? Father, glorious and almighty God, we stand before you. And I pray that every person in this room today would be day one. Wherever we might be, Lord God, Lord God, no matter how much we think we've wasted our lives, Lord God, you know full well that if we will make ourselves available and surrender to you, you can move mountains through us. I pray, Lord God, that you would open eyes, that you would light fires in this room this morning. And that everybody in this room would spend their lives chasing that football with a lion heart. In your wonderful name this morning. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.